welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Monday morning, week four in the books, Barton Simmons home from the hospital congratulations a daddy two times over now thank you thank you yes a lot of women in the household right now uh you know i should have at least gotten a a, a boy dog but uh, right now i've got i've got two daughters a wife and a and a girl dog and i'm 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 outnumbered uh but it's good everything's great we are um, we're back baby's healthy um you know we are word of of wisdom the the birth, at least for us, isn't too bad. It's the breastfeeding that's the hardest thing about having a baby. We figuring that all out is is a little bit of a nightmare, but we'll get there, and eventually I will start sleeping again. One day, I mean, like the I the, I'm uh I've I don't have any children, but the the one thing I always like to pass along to uh to any new fathers and new mothers, if if I can offer any. Um, any bit of comfort, it's that we've been doing this for thousands of years. So. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> I, I say that a lot. I say, hey, this baby's resilient. You know, <laughs> we don't need we don't need the you know the top of the line bassinets in order for this kid to survive. I think she'll make it no matter what. You know, so it's it's uh, yeah. Well, I'm right there with you. Yeah, Homo sapiens have been on this rock <laughs> figuring out ways to reproduce and continue to survive for a long right. time. We will right. we'll be able to make it without the expensive bassinet. Right. Uh, right. Awesome. All right. Well, you did get a chance to watch some football, which made me very happy because it was an awesome weekend of football. Yes, I got I, I got to watch in the hospital. I got to watch USF Temple which was America's worst offense ever shown on national television in Temple. <laughs> I mean, that was the most disgusting, just awful stuff I've ever seen. And it was, uh, it was you know, when the best, um, you know, when you're in the hospital looking for just some entertainment Some something enter- to yes, like entertainment keep your, yeah, yes just something to, just something to keep your mind occupied yeah something to something to give you a little bit of a an energy burst that, that didn't bring it so i was happy to get back from the hospital in time for a saturday of football that did not disappoint that was plenty exciting and, and lots of great storylines and fun games so yeah that was that that this was another Saturday that, that I think we got our money's worth. All right, this is uh, the game. The name of the game is going to be the panic meter. Um, there are some teams that we're going to talk about where the panic meter, uh, I will offer it to Barton. He'll give us a zero to five score where I, I can already know that there are some teams coming out of this week feeling great. Panic meter set to zero. You know, we're, we are confident we are moving forward, but as, it is also, you know, four weeks in the books. Man, that's you know, if you if you played four games, that's a thirty-year season. So the panic meter certainly setting in uh, for other teams. Contenders got some scares. Uh, this is this this is it, man. We're gonna start to see the chess pieces slide around. Um, so I wanna let's let, let's let's go ahead and jump right in. The Oklahoma State Cowboys looked unbeatable. Uh, yeah. I I I said on this podcast um, one of my one of my locks. Uh, congratulations, Barton. Your boy took another loss on this one. Uh, one of my locks was Oklahoma State at anything under two touchdowns. I really felt like uh, the offense 
with all of its firepower, everything clicking on all cylinders, as good as it had looked, even knowing that TCU had Gary Patterson, knowing that TCU had a defense that had looked good at times, I just... I just thought that this was going to be uh, a spot, especially in Stillwater, for the Cowboys to roll. And man, Gary Patterson, Uncle Gary Patterson, just proved me oh. so wrong. So let's before we get to TCU, Oklahoma State. Where is the panic meter right now? I don't know. I, I think probably still fairly low, right? Because they still have Oklahoma left to play. They still have the rest of the Big Twelve left to go, and this is ultimately. This feels like the same old Big 12 where uh, the, these these schools are going to start knocking each other off. And I think we thought Oklahoma State had a chance to to run the table and certainly that's out off the you know no longer an option, but this is still a team that can can get things straightened out. I mean they they just like you said, I mean they haven't even played in the second half to this point. And so they played a team that that actually challenged them for four quarters and they just didn't seem like they were ready for that sort of a uh, a physical challenge and so I still think that given the nature of the Big 12 we, we looked at I mean I'm sure we'll talk about Oklahoma Oklahoma almost lost to Baylor yeah. uh, you, you got to think TCU is going to have a few challenges in front of them as well with uh, with a national landscape that seems to be pretty um, ripe for a lot of one loss or two loss conference champions, or at least a few. Uh, I still think Oklahoma State has, has got a lot to play for. I think they're still in okay shape, and I still think that you know they've that this offense just didn't quite click quite like we're used to. They're going to need to be able to <clears throat> combat the the blueprint that Gary Patterson laid out for a lot of teams, but. I'm still okay with kind of where Oklahoma State stands in the grand scheme of things this year. What about you? Oh, I'm I'm a little bit more panicky, but it's uh, for another reason. I I don't think that there's many in the Big 12. I don't think there's going to be many secondaries uh, that are as well coached, well prepared, and as good as TCU's. Like I I thought that TCU's defensive backs just won a lot of battles, uh, a lot of one on one battles. I mean, they made things so hard. They went to, you know, the the broadcast did a good job of showing almost what was like a an all 22 sh- like shot of Mason Rudolph looks down the field you know one two three and all of those superstar wide receivers are like none of them are open and you know that was him running for his life TCU's defensive front did a good job of getting a lot of pressure I'm a little bit con- you know this was a spot where I was looking for Oklahoma State's defense to show up and yeah. uh and I TCU moved the ball on the ground man they broke open a lot of big plays tackling did not look great and uh and I just think that when you're when you're giving up like what was it like 250 yards like almost four scores on the ground something like that uh I I would say that my panic's a little bit higher I'm with you like the big there is come coming out of this weekend looking at the big 12 assuming that uh there could be something real hairy especially with that big 12 championship game but uh, there's not going to be anybody who I think gets to the Big 12 championship game without at least one loss. Well, you're right. I mean, and this, uh, to me, the, the biggest takeaway was how impressive TCU was. Yeah. L- and that's than, the other less, thing. It's like TCU l- looks great now. Right. And it was less that, so, so to me, it was less uh, disappointment in Oklahoma State, more uh, an impressive showing by TCU. Oklahoma State is going to have to, like, that's what you said it. I mean, well, I mean, I, I think 
TCU's game plan was we are not going to let them beat us on big plays. We are not going to let these receivers get behind us. If they want to beat us in the run game, we're going to have six guys in the box. They can do that all day long. They can drive the field, dig and dunk, but they're not going to beat us over the top. They did. They got one. They got, what, an 86-yard touchdown pass to James Washington? Yeah. But that was about it the rest of the day. And, you know, Oklahoma State now is going to face teams that are going to try to do that to them. And and their defense got pushed around a little bit. And so there are some – Oklahoma State isn't what maybe Oklahoma State fans hoped that they were – but I think if you had told me at the beginning of the season that Oklahoma State was going to just boat race three teams and then lose to TCU, I would say that sounds about right. That sounds about like you know an Oklahoma State team I would expect to happen. So in that sense, I guess you know Oklahoma State can still get right and 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 get things headed in the right direction. But yeah, in, in terms of looking like a national title contender or a college football playoff contender. You know the panic meter has to be, uh, you know, active a little bit. All right, as we start to spin it forward for TCU again, a team four uh, zero, a huge win here on the road at Oklahoma State. They get to host West Virginia. Uh, oh, they're off next week. Host West Virginia when they come back at Kansas State against Kansas at home at Iowa State. The month of October is it? Is it crazy? To like as your West Virginia and Kansas State's the tough one there. Do, how about this? Do you think TCU starts November eight and zero? Um, I don't know what to think. Where's, about the, where's Kansas the West State. Virginia game? Is at that at home. home? Is there a way? That's at home. That, I think that's that's the tricky one. And I, I if it's at home, I like I like their chances a lot better. I think you know I think that they'll hard for me to pick K State over TCU. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that bet. Um, I, I like that their chances of that that this is just a team that they have the right elements. Now here, here's the here's the here's what I love about TCU. They were super physical. They took the fight to Oklahoma State. This kid Darius Anderson, I'm a I'm a fan of him at running back. Yeah. You know, how much fun is he to watch? Yeah. I mean, as as athletic and explosive as he is, he's still extremely physical. They've got a bunch of receivers they can distribute to defensively they they just like you said they're just well coached they're they're disciplined that and the the big question for me is still Kenny Hill he's going to he's going to trip <laughs> them up at some point he's going to yeah you're right Kenny Hill is going to be uh and like we, I was watching that game um with uh our producer Matthew Coca in the control room and of course like him being a, a Big 12 guy like and the Alabama Vanderbilt game just whoa we can get to that in a little bit, but we like had this one on, on the second screen in there, and I just I kept being like, all right, now here's where Kenny Hill, you know, he's going to let Oklahoma State get back in this, but they just kept feeding Anderson, and that was yeah. like the recipe for success. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Conversely, from Oklahoma State, if you take away the run game and make Kenny Hill beat you, I just got to believe that he's going to hand you a, a pass or two. Like he had a t- a one touchdown, one interception. 22 of 33 for 28, 228, solid day. But there was at least two I remember that were basically dropped interceptions. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. He was letting it sail. He got loose there for a little bit. Flashes. He's gonna put one on the platter here and there. <laughs> so that's that's why I just I, if if TCU's a, a playoff team, they they'll sneak in, and they're not gonna get beyond the the, the college football playoff four. 
I, I have a hard time envisioning them getting there, though. I've, I think this, I think this is an, I think this is OU's conference to win, and I could even, in some ways, I could even see Oklahoma State getting back in there with a win over Oklahoma and and TCU tripping up somewhere else along the way, just because again, I just don't trust Kenny Hill yet. Yeah. Um, okay. Panic meter, zero to five, the Florida State Seminoles. I mean, you're at a five right yeah. now. Yeah, broken meter. Like yeah, it's, it's you, redlining. Your 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 expectation this year was national title. Okay, DeAndre Francois goes down. Now your expectation or your hope is is college football playoffs. Now you lose to NC State. And 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 look, they're gonna. I I have said I said before this game that I thought Florida State was gonna be okay because. They're they're gonna lead. They've got a, they've got good running backs. They're gonna lean on that run game. They got a great defense, and it would, James Blackman would have be able to take his time in developing and becoming uh, a, a quality quarterback. They they just don't seem to be leaning on the run game as much as they're maybe they're not able to. Maybe their offensive line can't get it done in that regard. But they should be able to. I think kind of Alabama teams more than they have. I know NC State was a great defensive line, so that's tough to tough to do that against them but yeah i think this is now you're looking at i i, I, uh, I mean they've got you got to figure they got another loss in them somewhere at, at least to clemson yeah and or, or duke it, yeah yeah <laughs> um so it's it, it's it, i mean i think florida state's gonna be fine this year but in terms of what their hopes and goals were for this season i think that they're dashed yeah and by the way i, I handed out florida state in this as a for our locks show I don't know if I was already like, like, getting some early like anxiety, lack of sleep or something. But I I woke up Saturday morning, couldn't fit, okay for the life of me couldn't decide why I thought that was a good idea. That this game had NC State written all over it in retrospect, and I I don't know what in the world I was thinking going Florida State here. But hey, I, so, at some point I thought there was a good pick and I paid for it. Well, that this to me like. I, I kept watching this game. I kept thinking that, all right, now this is the spot. Uh, and we've got like a saying, um, the, like the, some of the local guys around here, it's, uh, it's the, uh, the NC state, uh, stuff, you know, like sometimes it's stuff isn't the word, but it's like sometimes, <laughs> NC, right. sometimes NC state stuff happens, you know, like, yeah. like the, the, the Charlie Brown and the football type moments happen to its football and men's basketball programs a lot. Um, and I just kept thinking as this game was close that it was, you know, that this was going to be another one of those, uh, NC, like Jacoby Brissett leads NC state to a three score lead against Florida state, Florida state comes back and wins by 14. Like, I just kept thinking that we would see that kind of turn. So in a way, uh, there is a little bit of me that's like, Oh, okay. Pack like, this was a game, yeah. especially for Dave Doran in a season with a ton of expectations that started off on a bad note with the loss to South Carolina. Like this was a game that now you you're coming out with a little bit of juice. I mean, obviously Bradley Chubb was just a monster here. Yeah. I mean, he he played so well. He was all over the place, like just as dominant as advertised. The NC State defensive line, the reason why people were high on him. Uh I like I wonder if Cam Aker like Cam Akers, super talented, maybe looked a little bit like a freshman in this spot. You know, like those moments where young, talented running backs 
they get into the hole and then they start shuffling their feet a little bit too much. Yeah, there were a couple. I mean, like I remember one game specifically or one play specifically that's, and and the announcers even pointed it out. Like he, he had a first down. It was like third and one. He had a first down and he he tried to bounce instead of getting north south and it it they had to punt. And uh, I mean, those are the type of plays. I remember this is a kid that played quarterback in high school, uh, and. So there's some adjustments, I guess, that he's got to make and some feel for the running back position that maybe he's still developing. But, yeah, I mean, I I was hoping Florida State would just feed him. I mean, he had 12 carries. Jack, Jack Patrick had eight. I, I mean, again, maybe that – I mean, I've, I've, obviously that was going to be NC State's plan is to make James Blackman, the true freshman, beat them through the air. But I just feel like, you know, with 38 attempts – at the quarterback position and only 20 rushing attempts that's to me doesn't doesn't quite equal the distribution that you hope if you're Florida State so yeah this is a team that I think defensively maybe could do enough to get get the job done and they couldn't and you know it's a credit NC State for that because they made some plays on offense too. oh man like Florida State's defense kind of looked like they were out of position a lot I don't know if that's coaching and I don't know if that's execution but NC State had it had it schemed up pretty well. I was impressed. Yeah. Does does uh, Jalen Samuels remind you a little bit of Anquan Bolden? Ooh. You see that? Like he just like a physical, just sort of tough receiver that you can that that gets the ball in a lot of different ways and just you know makes it happen on offense. I don't know. I, I this this NC State team is better than South Carolina. You know, and they should be undefeated right now. Not that I mean, South Carolina earned that win, but they should like this team is more talented than South Carolina and should have beaten South Carolina if they were playing their best ball. Uh, it would be a, it would make the ACC a lot more interesting right now if, if if NC State was sitting here undefeated. Yeah. So Florida State panic meter absolutely broken. Uh, you know, the Seminoles playing the foreign Seminoles still have to play Wake and Duke. Those are two losses right there. In addition to Clemson, I mean, come on. This is a, this is a tough spot. We so, can cool we can cool off on Wake a little bit after them needing a block field goal to beat App State. Oh my they, gosh. They they came back down to earth just a tad. Just. <laughs> All right. Uh let's let's stay in the ACC because I do um this was a game where I I feel like I want to check in especially with uh, a primetime spotlight game coming up the Clemson Tigers did the pan the obviously panic meter was at like zero coming out of last week we saw the Tigers really get tested by Boston College they pulled away because Boston College uh, is not going to be able to generate anything against that Clemson defense and given enough time I think we saw your boy Travis Etienne uh, really start to shine, and that Clemson rushing attack, which again, I, I think that I mentioned this last week, I think it's going to be a key part of them being able to fulfill these college football playoff ACC championship goals and desires is being able to close games out on the ground. Uh, did the did struggling with Boston College, you think, raise the panic meter much at all? Panic meters is zero. zero. No, no concern here. In fact, I mean, I picked Boston College to cover this spread, because if you look at what this, I mean, this is Clemson coming off of a brutal physical win against Auburn, 14-6. Then they go to Louisville, nationally televised, 
big time atmosphere, emotional game. They take care of business, blow them out. Next week at Virginia Tech, one of the probably the premier game of the weekend. This is like their 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 exhale week. They were going to come in there and just get the job done. There was never any doubt that they're going to lose this game because Boston College is never going to score enough points. So this this happens. I'm okay with this. And and Clemson still ended up playing poorly and winning by what 24, 27. You know. So <clears throat> to me, this is this is Clemson just uh, taking care of business along the way, and and not every win is going to be a forty point blowout. By the way, um, you're you're even. On your locks, I know. I was fortunate to get even, but you crossed off Iowa at the last minute. I know. Could have could have been up one. <laughs> I, been up. I got cold feet. That's that's why, boys and girls. You know, uh, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> you got to shoot to score. And I've been going. I've been going heavy. I've been going like four and five games every week. And sometimes the game I'm most confident in is the game I lose, and the game I'm least confident in is the game I win. And uh, if I just stuck with Iowa, I'd, I'd, I'd be in the black once again. But I'll, I'll take a 500 week in a, you know, in a week with some, some distractions. I'll get back on track this week. <laughs> um, all right, Oklahoma, panic meter. Where are we at? <clears throat> I don't know. I think that, that Baylor. I think that we might we might have like really misread Baylor. Talk to me about that. I think that the loss to Liberty just sort of painted um i think that baylor's start to the year just we just sort of painted uh baylor into a corner thinking that they were it was just going to be uh and they listen they might lose um you know what nine games they might lose eight or nine games but i just i just think that we were so quick to pull the bottom out and just assume that they were not going to be a competitive football team uh, ignoring the players that are still left on that roster and a very good head coach in Matt Rule who understands that they are probably not going to go to a bowl and each and every one of these um like each and every one of these games is an opportunity to like really work on building on the the long you know seven year contract really work on building on like the long term future um you know home game Oklahoma coming off that Duke game where uh, they were a little bit more, you know, they didn't end up covering the spread, but they they made things really difficult for the Blue Devils. I I think that there's a, that's, I think that we, maybe this is me, maybe you were able to stay level-headed, but I was very quickly moving to the point of assuming that they were just going to be bottom of the barrel, not competitive football team and seeing the way that they played against Oklahoma uh, kind of put me back in the back in the understanding uh, of of assuming that this is this is a team that's capable of winning a couple conference games. Yeah, I actually so in our experts CBS picks, I, I picked Baylor to cover this as sort of a blind faith pick for Baylor. Like I, they, they hadn't sh- shown me anything to make me believe that they were going to cover that spread, but it was like a blind faith pick and Matt Rule that, look, these guys aren't going to be as bad as we think they are. They are going to get better. I think I've I've stated my affection for Matt Rule as a coach on this show plenty of times. He's going to get the job 
done eventually. He's going to improve this team. And, you know, Zach Smith, they've made a quarterback change. He's been, you know, they've been seen to be better offensively since that change. He, you know, and, and talk about exposing some vulnerabilities. I mean, 450 yards or something passing against Oklahoma. Uh, and it's like that's if, a if, team that's, if, I mean, <laughs> Oklahoma State's going to be able to throw the ball too, yeah. guys. So that, that's something to keep an eye on there. But uh, but look, hey, Matt Rule slept in the office this week. (laughs) If you sleep in the office, you got to get a W. Oh wait, uh, wait. So he got his like Marriott rewards points with the extra with the extra prep here. Yeah, he got his he got his cot. You know, late night late night chalkboard sessions. Uh, Yeah, I mean, what's what? Of course, they're going to cover. But no, I I I thought that. I, I was surprised that they almost won or that they were as close as they were, but um, not not shocked at the cover just because, look, this is, he's too good of a coach. He's just too good of a coach, and they got too many good players on that team to just be one of the worst teams in college football. They responded so well. This game was 28-10 to 10 in the second quarter, and they just, like, came out firing out of halftime. Their defense was able to get a couple stops. Um you got the, the late in the third quarter was when you got the full Baker Mayfield experience, uh, the unsportsmanlike penalty followed by a 48-yard touchdown pass to Jeff Bidette on the very next play. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is so likable when they're winning, and if like if this team was if this team was two and two right now, he'd be the most hated man in college football. Oh yeah, for like, sure. He is such a prick. He is such a prick. But like in some ways, that's a good thing if you're if you are really good and if your team is good and they can rally around you. But the second things start going bad and that prick comes out, you're gonna you're not gonna be so popular anymore. So I'm gonna say the panic meter for Oklahoma is raised a little bit because of what you just mentioned. The fact that like I was going back to Ohio State, knowing that Ohio State just especially like the Ohio State offense cannot test and did not test Oklahoma in the way that Zach Smith was able yeah. to. And so panic raised for me a little bit. Again, might only be like a 1.5 or a 2 or you know somewhere around there, but certainly at a higher position than it is, knowing that you're going to be going up against a Mason Rudolph maybe even twice this season with a playoff spot on the line in the Big 12 championship game, uh, throw in you know the rest of the Big 12, there, there is a weakness. There is a way to beat Oklahoma. Ohio State just wasn't able to do it. Yeah, I agree. And and like and again, you made the point. Like Ohio State is not a team that's going to test you vertically. That's 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 their Achilles heel. And so now we saw, okay, wow, a team that can test you vertically just put up forty one on you. And Texas probably got the ability to test you vertically to an extent. Colin Johnson. Uh y- yes, sir. Uh Texas Tech can absolutely do that. Oklahoma State, we know can. TCU, as long as Kenny Hill doesn't serve up some interceptions, they will. Will Greer will. So, look, this has got this is still a treacherous road for Oklahoma, and I think we saw that this is not going to be quite the the walk to the playoffs that that some maybe hoped it would be. Is there panic at Penn State? I feel like relief might be the best word here. I like. No. Are, are we yeah. are we coming out of the? We, I mean, unbelievable win, but yeah. Trace McSorley. Um, just absolute stones. Saquon Barkley was a, a superhuman the entire game. 
I I feel uh, I feel like if if you are not in on Penn State, the way that they came back and won this game on the road in that Saturday night primetime spot, they they got a lot of uh, they they got the attention of a lot of casual football fans on Saturday night. Like, do you what, what do you think? Yeah, oh yeah, no. I first of all, almost like. What's the – how do we go negative panic? Like encouraged. Like I'm encouraged. Conf- like the, the confidence yeah. meter. Like there is no panic. The confidence yeah. meter is surging. Because that was a weird game, and it was a tough game. It was a tough atmosphere. Iowa City at night. I wrote at CBS that this was going to be a really tricky spot for them. And, and, and so it was a tricky spot, and they were tested and challenged, and they won, and yet still – they were like in a way they dominated like total yardage in that game was 579 to 273 and and even that 273 that Iowa had they never really mounted drives their three scoring drives combined for seven plays so they just they, they basically caught Penn State on a couple big plays they were able to turn into touchdowns they the Penn State had a missed field goal from the three yard line they had another missed field goal that's that would have made a you know a comeback a, a lot tougher and and then they were down with what how, how, you know what was it under a minute what was it in that final drive um, anyways they were down late and and there was like zero panic <clears throat> on that sideline zero panic with the coaching staff and and I mean it took a Saquon Barkley like insane effort <laughs> to get them down the field but that that's who Saquon Barkley is and. And down there with one play left, I I don't know. I just sort of had the. I just sort of felt like they were going to win. I felt like Trace McSorley was going to like that. It, it, and when you have that kind of confidence in a team, like every team is going to have their 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 tests over the course of the year. And you know, Clemson had theirs last year. You know, against Louisville, um, and you know, and I think that's. This was Penn State's test, and I think that they this is going to be it's going to serve them well to have gone into a hostile environment like that, played well, yet had to be faced with a tough situation, come out with a win. That's going to give them a lot of confidence late in the year when I think they go to Ohio State, don't they? Um, yeah. And you know that's going to give them a lot of confidence in those sort of settings. So I, I really come out of this game liking Penn State even more. We talked about Juwan Johnson in uh in the preseason a lot of expectation a lot of chatter around him and so it was 142 left on the clock when that drive starts one two three four four completions five targets on that final drive to juan johnson including i didn't realize that including the uh the touchdown on uh on fourth and goal (laughs) On fourth and goal from yeah. the seven. Yeah. Nah, bro, I got this. Let's go. Yeah. Boys and girls, that's what hard work will do for you. That's the kid to, to refresh people's memories. He was a kid who was looked like a million bucks coming out of high school, <clears throat> but had hands like feet and would just beat up the football. And he has been, you know, I went out to Penn State this spring and, and, Every coach to a T is like when you ask him who's who's emerging, it's like everyone talks about Juwan Johnson because of just the work he put in. And so now he's able to sort of capitalize on that God-given frame with the hard work he's put in as a route runner, as a pass catcher. So it's it's sort of cool to see him make a big play like that and have a big game like that in a critical time. 
and see all that hard work pay off. He, he's a, he is a unique talent. And uh, if, if he continues to emerge now, heading into the, the meat of the, the schedule, that's, that's going to be a big advantage for them. Um, really incredible environment. Penn State, just going to be one of those teams you want to try to get a chance to see. And if you want to get a chance to see Penn State or any of these other college football teams that we're talking about that seem to always show up uh, with these incredible moments, the way to do it is going to be with SeatGeek. And we've got a really, really special offer. If you download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code 24-7, that's promo code 247, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but it is better and easier with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to live events. They got a seamless mobile experience. It's not only buying tickets. I mean, you could even sell your tickets. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or even a musician, or a comedian, or anything else uh, because SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices to find amazing deals and they give each ticket a grade based on value so you can immediately identify the best seats to fit your budget. So once again... The 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter, enter promo code 24-7 today. That's promo code 247 for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Where's our panic meter for the, uh, the USC Trojans? Well, I think that's a trickier one to call because... They were, I mean, they were no Stephen Mitchell. By injuries. Yeah, no Stephen Mitchell, no Porter Gustin, no Ronald Jones. Uh, John was John Houston out. Their right tackle was out. Right. Oh there was, yeah. I mean, there was a. There's just a lot of. I mean, I looked at that. I didn't watch a ton of this game, um, but and I did pick in our expert CBS deal. I, I did pick um, USC to cover, but in in. You know, as the weekend approached, I kind of looked at just sort of the injury report, and it was loaded with USC guys, like like meaningful players. And uh, I kind of backed off on any confidence they were going to cover on that one. I saw that, so I'm. I think this is another really impressive statement by Cal um, to just play with USC, even though they are injured, and just play good defense. Um, they turned over the ball like what it was six to two turnover battle. So, in that sense, like if Cal had just taken care of the ball, they may have won this game. And then, and then you got to—I mean, obviously you got a panic meter then because. Um, but but no, I think USC. This is one they just had to survive, get right, get healthy, and um, I'm not too panicked yet. Again, I, hey, but this is USC. How often have they looked good this year? The Stanford game, I yeah. guess, was the game they really looked good. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so I think in as just the general trend for USC I don't know you're on two I guess or you know I think you're worried because I think you and I were both a little concerned about hey a 12 game season with no bye weeks this is going to catch up to them at some point and I think my confidence meter that that they are going to trip up at some point continues to to increase with every one of these average showings so there's something there Um, but I'm not ready to I'm not ready to put us on on red alert 
because of how many injuries they had to deal with this week. But I mean, that's and that like my my confidence is less with the outcome of the game and more just with what you just mentioned, the big picture. Like I'm I'm looking down the schedule. I I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame knocks them off in uh, in late October. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Like Utah is not going to be a fun game. No. Like this, it is it. I I think that USC will still have the opportunity to um, achieve all of its goals and be playing for a Pac-12 championship and you know have have your name in the conversation for the college football playoff. But it's going to be uh, there's there's a loss coming. Yeah, and I agree. I don't I don't yeah. know who gets them, but there's a there's a loss coming up at some point for this group. Uh, and you know, like we've said, not having a, a time to to catch your breath. Like there's only but so many games that you can that you can win the turnover battle like that and be able to get out alive for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. There is a general panic meter right now on uh, USC. I just don't know how much Cal is causing it, whether the just the the general you know common thread in all these games of just being a little bit underwhelming. Um. All right. Cal well, gained USC in that game too. Cal what? Outgained USC. So I mean, there's and Darnold, Dar- like Darnold's stats on the season, I think are like eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Yeah, he's got to. They got to get. They got to go on a run of like winning some huge games with with Darnold being the reason why for him to get in the Heisman race. Because right now, I mean, he's. I still am a believer in him, but he's just not putting up the gaudy numbers right now to really make him a a Heisman front runner at this point. I mean, the top quarterback selected in last year's NFL draft went eight and five and lost to Duke and State. You can, That's right. You know, you can still be the top. You can still be the uh, the tank for Darnold, t- guy. You can still be the best pro prospect and uh, underwhelm a little bit in uh, in college. We'll see. Yeah. All yeah. right. Speaking of quarterbacks, I don't think we're going to get much in terms of details, um, but I know that you are not a fan in principle of the John O'Corn experiment at Michigan. But John O'Corn came in, he played all right. Michigan's defense uh, totally stonewalled. the. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Purdue got a single first down in the second half against Michigan yeah. after this game was 10-7 at one point. Uh, Michigan pulls away eventually. Like, where where's the panic meter um, for, for the Michigan Wolverines? as now we've got not only just quarterback instability uh but maybe even some injury issues as well and and we're we're moving we're just sort of like i feel like i'm just dragging michigan forward in the season you know what i'm saying like like yeah. Michi- michigan is a really really heavy uh bag of grass clippings that i'm just trying to drag to the street right now i know i know it's so it's it's such a it's such a grind. It's so laborious to just get like <laughs> every week. It's I mean, but that defense and, and Donnie Brown's crew is is they're they're that good. And I mean, at some point you just figure the offense. And I this is another one that I I, I was this I hit on this one in the CBS thing because like come on, I I was like Michigan's gonna get this figured out eventually, right? On offense, like right. And I think John O'Corn this week was maybe he played better because he knew he wasn't going to get yanked uh, because Wilton Spate was hurt. 
and maybe he you know, I know there was a lot of emotion with uh, with the coach that benched him from Houston on the other sideline for Purdue um, and he wanted to show him up and, and show him that he you know, should have never gotten benched at Houston I didn't, I don't think I uh, had picked up on that storyline look at look yeah. at John O'Corn out here for revenge yeah Tony Levine was was the Houston head coach that uh, that bumped him from the starting lineup after his true like freshman of the year campaign at Houston and so I think he was you know he was I think he even said he, he was like emotional about this this win um, but it's all about the defense and I still think the offense is going to get it figured out and, and I, Michigan is what they are with me still they're good enough to probably make the playoffs they're not good enough to win a game in the playoffs they're they're just their offense is just lackluster and I, I'm not actually convinced that they can't get that figured out I, I in fact I kind of suspect that they'll uh, more likely than not they will but it's just another just add another like tally to the column of you know yawn a, a, a yawn worthy win yeah come on let's go Michigan <laughs> come on all right when do like so when are we uh like we Michigan State like they're off next week. Uh, Michigan State, when they come back from the bye, that game's at home. Michigan State just doesn't seem like – I don't have Michigan State or Notre Dame on here, but I, I I, came away from that game feeling like those are two teams that were playing two different levels of football. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I, I, Notre Dame, one quote I saw after the game that was really telling, um, Brian Allen, Michigan State center, said something to the effect of, these are the same guys we played last year, but they they didn't they were, were nothing like that team we played last year or something like that. Basically implying like this is a more physical, different mindset team. And I tell you, as good as Georgia looked this weekend, also that Notre Bo Dame didn't look too bad. Yeah. Uh, so Notre Dame, I'm I'm I don't know. I feel like, you know this. I I really like that win for them this weekend. I I know we don't really know who Michigan State is yet, but I don't think they're bad. Um, you know they beat a good Western Michigan team out of the MAC. I think that this is a the way they beat the the way they beat Michigan State. I think says a lot about Notre Dame moving forward, and and I think you could you could circle a lot of a lot of W's heading out uh, on Notre Dame now after that showing. And that's uh, and that's that's also part of the th- reason, like like you said, uh, all of a sudden with what we've seen from Georgia, you go back to the Georgia Notre Dame game, like as we get more data points, things become clear. And the way that Notre Dame took care of business against Michigan state has me again with USC being like, Hey, now, but Michigan state, I don't think is going to do much to Michigan. Michigan goes at Indiana and then October 21st at Penn state. That's the game. Awesome. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Who can, who, who, What's the score of that game? Twenty one nineteen, like another yeah, one. Yeah, I'm thinking low scoring. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, how, hey, how good was Penn State's defense? I mean, like Brent Pry's got those guys playing great right now, and and they're the they're, if anything, they may be the strength of that team. And we all talked about the high flying offense there for Penn State. Their defense might be the strength right now. So that's 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 going to be fun to watch. That's going to be a great battle. Um, did you, this is a game that I think that we were just sort of tracking, uh, more than uh, I haven't gotten a chance to break down the tape, but is there any alarm bells going off with the way that Miami Toledo started? 
No, because I think Toledo's a tricky team offensively. They can score points. Logan Woodside's they, good. Logan Woodside's good. I can't remember the receiver's name. They got a really good receiver too. Um, that I'm okay with the way that that just that Miami just need to win that. They've been off for what two weeks. Uh, they just needed to win a, win the game, and <clears throat> I don't care how they did it. What final score is like fifty two to thirty. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I mean that defense is going to be okay. Uh, so. Uh, this was a this was a win by any means necessary to get the rust off, get heading in the right direction again. They did that, so I still think Miami is is I don't know I don't think we know a lot yet about Miami, but I think they very well could continue to be a, a favorite in the division. Really, I mean Virginia Tech's that that's that would be my pick right now. Virginia Virginia I, Tech has got a pair of shutouts against inferior opponents that combined with Josh Jackson has me looking at, like, talk about the panic meter. I I would not be surprised if Michigan State knocks off Clemson on Saturday night. If Virginia Tech knocks off Clemson? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's a, that's a, that's, that is suddenly the toughest remaining regular season game on the schedule, in my opinion. For Clemson. For Clemson. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, that's the ACC loss that you got to worry about. Thank goodness yep. they got the head-to-head against Louisville, but, like, they should be able to handle Florida State. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Clem- Clemson yeah. does come to Raleigh to play NC State. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Uh, let's stay in the Sunshine State, though. Florida Gators. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> All right. I saw. Uh, I saw a thread on Reddit of uh, the Reddit CFB Twitter. I don't. Reddit CFB Twitter account does a good job of Snapchatting when things get really, really crazy. You know those uh escape room games and like places yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the setup was jim McElwain walks into an escape room doesn't react to any of the clues and then two minutes before the game is over the door magically springs open and he walks out that's great yes yeah i mean what they got two touchdowns with uncovered receivers and it was like Kadarius tony one of the best players on the field Oh man, yeah, that was. I don't know how you look. I don't know what you look at. I don't know what you take away from this if you're Florida. I think the biggest takeaway is just that Kentucky doesn't know how to win football games yet, and they're not ready. They're not ready yet. But um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. This is Florida team is just. This is going to be another year where they're just <sighs> like they're not that good, but they're gonna they're they've they're in a position now to mess around and one get it together in time for Georgia and all of a sudden they may be in the SEC title game again. It's crazy, but they're doing it. And for that, I guess you got to give Jim McElwain credit. Like they are putting themselves in a position to win football games, giving themselves a chance. I don't think they're any good, but they're winning. And so that's, that's kind of all that matters, I guess. So mad at this Florida team. (laughs) <laughs> this Florida team is a this Florida team is kudzu the unstoppable weed of uh I don't know why this is taking on a lawn care theme today but like, <laughs> they're, hey they're on point man keep it coming yeah all right um LSU nine point win against uh. Syracuse which included among other things significant snaps for Miles Brennan is is that Orgeron on the hot seat? Maybe. I mean, that's, and I, I, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but there weren't that many people in the stands for this game. Nope. Right? They were not. A lot of empty crowd shots. I mean, what's going on? This is doesn't this is like all of a sudden LSU just doesn't feel like the same the same team. Like the same program. program. No, it's listen, I my thought right now, my like my working theory is that the end of the Les Miles era had so had like such a toxic vibe that that has become the muscle memory for LSU fans. And the second that things don't start to look like things are going well, they're they're just very quickly comfortable switching in back into that toxic mode that carried over from the 2015 and 2016 season. Yeah, this is just. Uh, this is this one's concerning to me because it's a home game at night. It's supposed to be a great atmosphere. I guess no one's getting up for Syracuse, but still, it's a how many opportunities do you have to see your team at home? And it wasn't a great atmosphere. Syracuse, you know, has an offense that can put up some points, but where LSU on defense may not be as physical as they have been in the past, but they're still really fast. They're still really athletic. They're still really good on the back end. That should play right into the hands of Syracuse, and that should be that, that should be successful there. Offensively, Syracuse has got some good players, but they're undersized on defense. There, and so you would think that plays into LSU's strengths. They can pound these guys. They can they can get more physical, just run them into the ground. They couldn't do those things. The mm. offensive line sucks. The atmosphere sucks. There, there's no, there's no, um, you know, they don't smell blood. At LSU to to finish this because they were winning the whole game, but they just never really, they never really put the the death nail in, in Syracuse. It's just I don't know, just a lot about this just doesn't feel right. And uh, you know maybe they get this figured out, but I mean I, if if things like what if they if they go like seven and five this year, what is that? I mean I suddenly they're okay, so right, they're three and one. They're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going and, and well, know, what's going to happen gonna against beat, Florida? That is an awful game. Yeah. Unless it's yeah. on CBS, then you should definitely watch on CBS, CBSSports.com <laughs> and all the CBS Sports OTT devices. I just, uh, this is going to be like, this is going to be a disappointing season. And I'll be very interested in seeing like how short of a leash that Orgeron has. How sad is, how sad is LSU Florida and LSU Auburn? Those games uh, are. I Auburn's. Mean, uh, Auburn, Auburn's getting things figured out. They're going to be Auburn is going to be okay. You, you've got all right. So the I did not include Auburn here, but uh, the blowout win at Missouri, carry on Johnson healthy again, providing some balance to the backfield. You feel like that's that's the ticket. I think Auburn's a different team when they're giving the ball to carry on Johnson and Cam Martin for that matter. This this game, Cameron Petway was out. And so their run game wasn't this like be back. And, and, it it yeah, wasn't the be back the pounded this, up the I don't middle. Know. <laughs> but yeah, this is this like battering ram run game where you know I, this game they had they were giving the ball to Cam Martin, they were giving the ball to Eli Stove, Jared Stidham early in the game was getting was breaking off some runs, um, and Cameron Petway was, was was having a, had a big game. And if when they've got that sort of dynamic option on the edge of the defense or. Edge, you know, attacking the edge of the defense, that opens things up. And I'm not saying Missouri is any world-beating team, but they are not. 
they got some big plays in the pass game because they were able to implement that run game more than just you know uh, dive right, dive left with your fullback. Um, I just was so disappointed in the in the play calling offensively, and I think now that they they're working in their athletic options in the backfield, they're going to get this thing figured out. They're going to be okay. Jarrett Stidham's going to be better, and that defense is not going anywhere. Auburn's is is. I think that they're – I'm not saying they're back, but like the, – Well, the defensive this, line has always been – like Auburn yeah. Auburn has been like struggling on the offensive end, and if that gets figured out, then you have to take them at least seriously to be in the pecking order of that division, a competitor to Mississippi State, and certainly above your Arkansas, Ole Miss, and it looks like maybe even LSU. You can hate on that Mercer game all you want. You can hate on the offense in that Clemson game all you want, but bottom line – they lost to Clemson, who's most people's number one team in the country, by one score. One touchdown and a two-point conversion. So this team, if they continue to progress, they're going to be scary in October and November. So, um, yeah, that, I think this was a big game to just blow out Missouri and and take care of business for them. Okay, uh, we want to get these teams in here, but there does not seem to be much panic. Uh, let's start with the Georgia Bulldogs. Whoa, buddy. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, I knew how good their defense was just watching the, t- the game against Notre Dame. It's, it's, it, that's no false positive there. That, that defense was legit. You could tell. But, and I didn't, I wasn't thinking this game was going to be some high scoring shootout. But for that defense to shut down Mississippi State the way they did, and for that offense to find stable footing, make some plays when they needed to, Jake Fromm is going to continue to to get more comfortable. The only thing that could trip up this Georgia team is just how how they handle the quarterback position when Jacob Eason gets healthy again. And I don't, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way. Maybe Eason's the guy. Maybe they'll be even better with Eason in. But that that's got a that could potentially you know, flip the chemistry a little bit. So I, I'll be fascinated by that. But this is a team that's, I mean, they'll, if they don't win the East, I'll, I mean, surely they're going to win the East. No, they're going to win the East. Surely they're, they're going to win. win the East. I Listen, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen when Easton comes back, but Fromm looked good. Fromm looked like. And it is what, third, third start? Yeah, third career you start. Know? Yeah. Um, Nine for 12, 201 yards. That's, by the way, uh, if you don't have your calculator out, that's 16.75 yards per attempt to seven different receivers, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And they do such a good job, too, of of not trying, you know, they, he's, he, every game he's throwing for like 12, 15 pass, pass attempts. They're still leaning on that run game. They're... I think there's still the ability for this offense to open up even more as they as they get into it, but they haven't needed to, and they've they've I, I credit them for not getting too aggressive offensively and just doing what it takes to win football games right now as as they work in this new quarterback. Um, but that's that's huge. Talk and to this me. Defense, oh, dude. This defense is, I think, Clemson. Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, and Georgia. I don't know if I'm missing anybody else, but I think those are the the five. I think they're right up there with those other four as like the best in college football. Um, talk to me about 
DeAndre Swift. Yeah, he's the he's the truth, dude. I I hadn't I didn't uh, here. Let me see. I I hadn't really locked into him yet until this game. I guess that he got a lot of work in the Sanford game. Uh, just two carries against Notre Dame, but he did have a forty yard run there. I yeah, I wasn't uh, I w- I wasn't I wasn't totally aware. What do we know Their about week this one guy? game? He looked good too. I can't remember who they play week one. App State. Uh, App State. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was impressive in that game too. Uh, he's a squatty almost. Maurice Jones drew looking guy a um, little bit bigger than that but that kind of mold of like sort of a uh, bowling ball type of back but super explosive great pass catcher really versatile great in space um, and for him to be number three in that backfield uh, that's just you know there's no one going to win the Heisman out of that backfield because they, they they distribute the ball to a lot of different guys but it's tough to, to have their three different backs. They're three unique backs and they're all really good. And, um, they're all getting their feet wet right now. It's going to be, uh, that, that Georgia's Georgia's feeling good right now. Georgia's got that, uh, like old Bielema, Wisconsin kind of vibe going where it's like our defense is sick and we've got three backs that could all be playing in the NFL eventually. And we're just, we're just going to beat you. Like we're going to be yep. efficient passing the ball. We're not going to put too much on our quarterback, and you and like we're just going to win football games. Yep. Uh, yep. What? Go ahead. No, no. I'm. I, I'm. I have nothing else to say. I, I. I like where Georgia's heading right now. Ohio State got these feel good wins. You know they needed these feel good wins. Is your again? I don't think there's any panic meter. So I wanted to. I didn't want to include them here, but. As things are going to start heating up again for the Buckeyes, have you changed your mind at all a bit about sort of where JT Barrett, where this Buckeyes offense is? Um, like, is, is it going to take, or is it going to take uh, tougher competition, which honestly they might not see until the Penn State game, um, for you to really start believing that Ohio State uh, can climb back in this thing and win the Big Ten? Not unless this becomes a, a true two-quarterback system. I do not believe in JT Barrett as, as the guy that can take them to the national championship. Just don't believe in it. And I believe that he can play a role in that. But he's, you, you can't put up 200 yards against UNLV and, and, and suddenly I'm a believer. Um, you know, it's, it's – Again, you look back. I mean, if anything, this weekend we saw again Ohio State had a vulnerable or Oklahoma had a vulnerable secondary. I think Baylor proved that, and Ohio State didn't take advantage of it. So, you know, Dwayne Haskins threw for two twenty-eight and two TDs. Joe Burrow went four for four for thirty-seven yards. Like, there's if if, if anything, like I'm intrigued of whether Haskins is getting enough run, enough experience to where they're going to want to play him in meaningful games. Um, and I don't know the answer to that, but if they do, then I'm suddenly starting to feel a lot more bullish about Ohio State because they can then do things offensively that can make defensive coordinators um, have to actually adjust their game plan. Mm. Oh, man. This it's like this would just be such a strange the, – the way the schedule sets up, so we go at Rutgers next week. They're home against Maryland at Nebraska. 
I mean, losing any one of those games is an absolute disaster. I don't see it happening. Well, I mean, Maryland, I think that would have been an interesting game. Until their quarterback went down. Until their quarterback got hurt, yeah. And then it's Penn State at home at Iowa, Michigan State, Illinois at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we're, they they got plenty of time to figure this stuff out. They got a lot of practice reps coming up, a lot of scrimmages until the real thing, so... Uh, uh, let's, since this is a review part, I want to ask you about this one before we get out of here. No, I don't think there's any panic. I think there's, a cu- there's a couple we got to hit on quickly before we get out of here. Okay, what's up? Uh, I mean, Arkansas A&M. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Kevin Sumlin's this. It's funny, like, I was thinking that this is sort of the way I think of Kevin Sumlin. Have you watched the show Ozark on Netflix? I'm about to start it. All right, so it's in the show. It's like about this guy who's a he's like a normal family guy who's somehow gets involved in money laundering for a drug kingpin, and it's like every time he gets these millions of dollars, he has to launder and clean. He just it's it's this incredible feat, miracle to get this money laundered, and then his reward is the kingpin throws him another ten or fifteen million, and he's got to figure out what to do with that now. It's like Kevin Sumlin keeps on getting himself out of these like crazy tight spots, you know, and, and he puts himself in these situations. He he gives up 35 to UCLA in the second half, and now he's in the hot seat. And then he's got a true freshman quarterback, and he somehow manages to get an overtime win against Brett Bielema in Arkansas. And his reward is like still going to be – you got to beat LSU, Auburn, and Mississippi yeah. State. <laughs> you know, like – it's still, it's like, it's just, he's on the verge of like, uh, he's on the chopping block and, and you know, they've just got that, the, the guillotine cut drop in any second, but he just keeps on getting a stay of execution. And uh, man, this one was like, I don't know if you watched that, but the, I, I was sort of, you know, I was sitting there on Arkansas, whatever it was, plus the two and a half. And Arkansas goes up to win it with like a minute left or whatever the time was. And they pooch kick it to like the 40. And they're up three. All they have to do is make Texas A&M drive the field. Another scared of Christian Kirk. But they pooch kick it to the 40 and give A&M like a 40, you know, 30 yard field to get into field goal range. And that was and to send it to overtime. This was, was all, this is all during the pregame show. So it was like we came out of the pregame show, and I got to see overtime, but I didn't get to see much of the sequence going into it yet. It was it was maddening for you know as as I was sitting there hoping to cover uh, on my on my locks, but um, man, I mean I don't know did did, did someone tr- transfer some of his heat to Brett Bielema for with sure? That win? Yes, absolutely, no doubt. Like there's. That was it. wasn't Thunderdome, but um, you're you're starting to look at Arkansas, and unless they they do that thing where they they like beat LSU late in the year, or you know, unless they pull off some big time conference wins, I mean, thank goodness the Missouri game looks like it'll be uh, a gimme for them. Like if the Razorbacks don't make the postseason, which right now they might not, then. Uh, I think that you're starting to you're starting to wonder about where things are headed for sure. 
yeah, that, that was not a that was not a pretty pretty. Uh, but it, so Kevin Sumlin's not ending. safe at all. No, not at all. That's that's what's that's the thing is like, if he loses that game, he's borderline fired, and yet he won that game. And didn't Christian Kirk have a punt return too? It was a huge Christian Kirk game. Yeah, and so I'm sure. I mean, that's why they were scared of him to kick it to him. But still, all like there's Kellen Mond isn't going to lead you down the field a, a length of the field drive. There's a the way they were moving the ball though. There was a really good chance Kellen Mond was going to get him into field goal range because they were moving the ball. They just couldn't do it as quickly in the pass game as maybe they they would have to do it with a 80 75 yard drive. But if you give them an op- a short field, yeah. Man, they were they were getting it done, and and I will say this: I've, I've given Kevin Mond some heat, but you know he's he's, he's gotten better. He's gotten a he's lot gotten better, better yeah. since that UCLA and, and he's game. He's doing enough sure. to to you know he's taken some small steps forward um, in a long process, and I, I do credit A and M for that, figuring out how to get some wins with a uh, uh, you know a, a true freshman quarterback. What was your read on Arizona State? Because you had that as a lock, and for an Arizona State defense that. Uh, going into the Oregon game was bottom 10 at giving up explosive plays. I openly doubted the pick. And not only did you get the cover, that was an Arizona State straight-up win. So I guess we could include Oregon. Like, is there any panic for the Ducks? Or, But more importantly, like, what was your read on that game? Well, I think San Diego State's proven to be a, a lot better loss than we realized for Arizona State. Sure. Uh, Texas Tech is... I mean, I don't, you know, they looked up, they beat Houston this weekend. We didn't know that going into the week, but I think the hunch is that Texas Tech's okay. And then you get Oregon, it's, it's a, you know, Pac 12 after dark. Uh, Oregon are coming on the road. This is really the first good team Oregon has played, or I don't, if, if we're going to call Arizona State a good team, but Wyoming clearly is, is, is kind of trash. Uh, Nebraska is kind of trash. Yeah. And so now you're going on the road, your first true hostile environment. And I just didn't – you know, I've been kind of uh, – had this sort of hunch that Oregon is going to be good in the long term but not as good as we think they are right now. And I just felt like that was a, that was a spot at night, late at night, Pac-12 network that was just going to be a tough, tough game for Oregon to win. So, yeah, I think Arizona State may be a little better than, than people realize just given – given, again, I mean, Texas Tech and San Diego State losses do not look so bad right now. The uh, a third and twenty four where that Oregon defense could not get off the field. Mm. That was that was a that was a game where I was uh, I was waiting up for the end of it and. Uh, yeah, I didn't even see the end of it. I, I yeah, but it's I just was sort of score tracking that one. I was it was stunning. I was I, I was I was very I was very alarmed as somebody who was like all I didn't I didn't necessarily feel confident that Oregon was going to cover the spread, but. Uh, but yeah, your I think your hunch might be right that uh whoa. Can we talk ECU one? <laughs> a little Sunday morning treat. A little Sunday morning treat. Uh Yukon, I mean, that was the game between the two worst worst teams in two of the worst teams in college football. Hey, right? Hey, you don't <laughs> understand what that ECU game means. <laughs> Get that W. Get that conference W. Scotty Moe can build on that. Um, uh, hey, who, more le- least less impressive win, Nebraska or Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, who's who's feeling worse right now? Nebraska's out here getting Mike Riley's out here getting his AD fired, uh, and Butch Jones out here with a new AD. Just, I mean, golly. no. T- the answer is Tennessee because at least the Nebraska game was a conference foe. Yeah, yeah, bro. That and, was- the, and and Tennessee. W- Coming back to that initial comment about how bad that Temple offense was against South Florida the other night, that Temple offense rolled it up on UMass. Yeah, they put up twenty nine on UMass and won, and Tennessee could only muster seventeen. What is going on? We got to get we got to free John Kelly. We got to get him out of there. I mean, yeah, that, that guy's too good to be playing on a team that bad. Um, so that one was. That's fascinating. Uh, get on the USF UCF train right mm-hmm. now. I know Maryland. I know Maryland had their, their Casino Hill got hurt, and so there's extenuating circumstances here. But the UCF Trevor cover train is is left the station, and it's going it's going to it's going to run through this season. This is that's a big game. I mean, they got Memphis this weekend. Talk about a big Group of Five game to keep an eye on. That's yeah. going to be fun. Uh, UCF. USF is going to be awesome. Yep. That yep. game that game is uh that game's going to be a lot of fun. Um let's see. We got I actually I, U, UCF was one of my locks. I hit on that. I hit on Syracuse plus 21 and a half. Narrow narrow miss on Air Force plus 3 and a half. San Diego yeah. State climbing back in there. And you're right. San Diego State's just a good ass team. Yeah, they're they're legit. They're Tom, the best group of 5 team right now. Forget USF. Uh, Tom hit on Utah minus three and a half and both of his under plays got beat, uh, under Oklahoma state TCU and under Auburn, Missouri. Thanks to Auburn. Yeah. Uh, did you, how about, uh, we got to touch on Alabama. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, Vanderbilt just got kicked back to like 1995 in that game. I mean, this was, this is, I still contend this is the best, one of the better Vandy teams that we've seen in in a while, at least. I mean, you know, it's kind of on par with probably those Franklin teams. But, wow. They got bubble Alabama guts, man. Ju- they got bubble just, guts early. That game was a, from the kickoff, you could tell Vandy wanted no part of it. And all the talk during the week of we want, you know, Bama's next or, you know that was that was all well and good, but when the whistle blew, Vandy wanted no part of that game. They were scared. I mean, they were scared, and Alabama was out to make a statement. And boy, did they make a statement! I mean, Alabama now looks again like I know that was just Vandy, but Alabama again looks like the best team in college football. It's just sort of you just saw the switch flip. It's like all right, this is what happened. Like, hey, we can mess around and sleepwalk against Colorado State and Fresno State, but look, oh, you guys want to talk a little jump? All right, okay. let's switch let's on this go. one. <laughs> let's let, let's give, let's give you some big boy ball, and and man, that was that was big boy ball. That's uh, there like there was nothing, and I think that maybe even Gary mentioned it, but like even afterwards, Nick Saban said in the interview, they talked about Vanderbilt talking. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, man. What? Come on, come on, Vandy. Like you got to know better than that. You gotta know better than that. You got a chance if you don't think you can just line up and beat Alabama best on best. You got to catch them sleeping. 
Shermer took some hits and then he was spooked and they just, oh my goodness. Like I, so I threw this one out. Um, I think that Damian Harris might be one of the more the best back on Alabama's roster. I, I, I think he might be one of the more undervalued players in all of college football. Agree. He's, he, I, I, he's my favorite back on Alabama's roster. And I think he's one of the better backs in college football. I agree. Yeah. I, I love, cause he's, it's just he's he's less of a like a uh, a mutant than the other guys, you know. He's not Bo Scarborough. He's not like some like just freakazoid, just like alien from another planet. He just look he, he looks like he can walk in a room and and hey, that guy plays football instead of just like he walks a room and you're like <laughs> that guy. What planet is, is he? From? Is not of the same species as me. Uh, but when he runs the ball, he's he's more decisive in his cuts. He's he, he reminds me of Mark Ingram. He's just sort of the way he, he great balance, like great balance, great vision. He can get through the holes. He can break it outside. Like he bounces off tacklers. It's awesome. He is like, yeah, so good. And you do. And he's just, Oh, he's just one of five guys. I can (laughs) run it down. And then, Oh my gosh. And then when two a time started, goodness gracious. (laughs) Like we got, we got to see the first half was, the 2017 national title contenders, and then the second half was, was the, the 2018 and 2019 <laughs> national title contenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, uh, that's that's a less good lesson there for Derek Mason and the boys. To that, yeah, to us spinning out of tacklers and just throwing it on a dime into the end zone. It's it's not fair. Yeah, Al- Alabama. May lose a couple games, and Alabama can certainly get beat in the college football playoff against another team that is the best in the country. But there's, like, all right, let's let's end on this. Alabama and Georgia. Do you think that right now that could be uh, a like a real competitive fun game? Yeah, I, I don't want to overreact to to the Georgia win. But my hunch right now is that that can be a competitive, fun game because I think Georgia's defense is good enough to, to cause fits for Alabama. And if you make this, if you make it low scoring enough, then you're one pick six, you're one scoop and score, you're one punt return away from this, you know, figuring out a way to win a football game. So, I, you know, there's, there's, Let's let's see if Georgia can could put this together in consecutive weeks, but right now I think that defense is that good, and I I I actually still think Auburn can give Alabama a game as well, considering how good that defense is, and considering again I think Jared Stidham is going to continue to figure this out, and they're going to continue to figure Jared Stidham out. So I'm not ready to. I mean I I, I still. Alabama's going to the playoffs, but I still think this is they got some they've got some booby traps along the way that they gotta they gotta navigate. Yeah, you know, just keep it together uh, and then bring your A game for two weeks in a row against Auburn and Georgia, and you're back in the playoff. Yeah, Mississippi State too. I think they go go on the road there, so mm. don't don't. I'm, I mean, I know I'm we're sleeping. all fresh off an ugly performance, but hey. When the cowbells are clanging, they, that changes things. I, I I'm I'm with you though. Watching watching Alabama flip the switch 
Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's ridiculous. All right, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. You can follow me, at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. Barton, thank you very much. Sir. Sir.